Hello, everyone. Welcome to Weekday Devotion. This is Pastor Daniel, and today we're going to continue uh, going through the book of Jude, the next to last book in the Bible. And yesterday we began by just looking at verse 1 and 2, kind of looking at who was Jude and, and who's he writing to. Well, today we're going to continue uh, looking at verses 3 all the way down through verse 7. So let's read this together. Beloved, Although I was very eager to write to you about our common salvation, I found it necessary to write appealing to you to contend for the faith that was once for all delivered to the saints. For certain people have crept in unnoticed who long ago were designated for this condemnation, ungodly people who pervert the grace of our God into sensuality and deny our only Master and Lord, Jesus Christ. Now I want to remind you, although you once fully knew it, that Jesus, who saved a people out of the land of Egypt, afterward destroyed those who did not believe. And the angels, who did not stay within their own position of authority, but left their proper dwelling, he has kept in eternal chains under gloomy darkness until the judgment of the great day, just as Sodom and Gomorrah and the surrounding cities, which likewise indulged in sexual immorality and pursued unnatural desire, Serve as an example by undergoing a punishment of eternal fire. Wow, there's a lot to talk about here. So let's just dive right in. So here Jude expresses a sense of urgency, a sense of eagerness to write you. Um, And he was going to write about just the celebrating, the common salvation that they shared through the power of the gospel of Jesus Christ. But because of the circumstances, he has to write them appealing to them, and here's a, the, the phrase, here's where we got the name of our series, the contenders, right? Appealing them to contend for the faith that was once and for all delivered to the saints. That's a popular line out of the book of Jude. So here he's urging the church, all believers, to contend for the faith, to fight for the faith, to defend against challenges to the faith. So that's the calling Jude places on all believers, even to us today. Now, in, in Jude's time, uh, we see the problem here in verse 4, that there are certain people um, who are here kind of identified not as true believers. They're, they're, it says that they were designated long ago for condemnation, which meant God knew they would come in and they would not be true believers. And so they're living a condemned life with a condemned eternity because of their, their hardness of their heart, because they're perverting God's grace. And so what was going on historically, these were these um, people coming in who gained influence, who gained position, but then leveraged their influence and position to begin to teach sensuality. They begin to leverage their position for their own sexual gratification and influence over people, especially the women in the church or around the church or in the towns, and leverage those for sexual gratification. And although doing, we're ultimately denying, here's what Jude says, denying our only master and Lord Jesus. So these were not true believers. They denied Jesus. They were doing it for selfish gain, specifically, in this case, sensual, sexual gain. And so and so Judeo takes that, and he's going to apply that to two other events in the Old Testament. The first is when Jesus saved the people out of the land, destroyed those who did not believe. Um, there were uh, an, a, a whole season, if you read the book of Exodus and Leviticus and Numbers, there's a whole season where there were a lot of the Jewish people who were led out of slavery in Egypt 
into, well, they were supposed to go into the promised land, but because of their disobedience and rebellion, they didn't, they didn't make it. Um, the next generation would, but there were those who did not believe. As soon as, um, while Moses is on top of Mount Sinai receiving the Ten Commandments from God, who just brought them out of Egypt, what are God's people doing at the base of the mountain? They're making a golden calf to worship, a golden calf. That is, that is spiritual adultery. That's adultery against God. A lot of times throughout the Old Testament, God calls Israel they're, as they're, they're playing the role of the harlot. So sexual sin in the Old Testament becomes a metaphor for sp- the spiritual sin of idolatry, of worshiping someone other than God, for cheating on God. And so that's an example Jesus, that Jude uses here from how Jesus saved them out of Egypt. But then goes into this really interesting part of verse 6 about the angels who didn't stay within their own position of authority, but left their proper dwelling and now are being kept in eternal chains and gloomy darkness. So, so follow this. This is very interesting. This is an obscure um, theme throughout Scripture. In Genesis chapter 6, right here, and also in Second Peter. But we introduced to Genesis 6 to this concept, this, this historical event, to where it defines it as the sons of God left their domain and procreated with the daughters of men. Now, there's some debate on what that is, but most conservative evangelical scholars conclude they hear the sons of God refer to angels who left their proper abode, which is in the angel realm, and they procreated with human women to produce the Nephilim, the giants of old, it says in Genesis 6. Now, there would be some harsh consequences for those fallen angels that did this. Here, Jude refers to that here in verse 6. Those angels who didn't stay within their own position, but procreate with human women to form giants of old. This is all pre-flood, pre-before the flood of Noah, right? But they have been kept in eternal chains. Peter refers to this. In fact, Peter says that they are in the abyss, the pit. And the, the Greek word used there is Tartaros, which was a, kind of pulled that from ancient Greek mythology, uh, that's where the Titans were cast when they rebelled against the gods on Olympus. So Tartarus was the lowest pit of Hades. Well, here Peter pulls that term to say that's where these angels are being held in the lowest pit of Hades, this gloomy darkness waiting for the eternal judgment and eternal fire. And then, of course, a third historical is, is Sodom and Gomorrah, who also struggled with sexual sin, sodomy, homosexuality were rampant in Sodom and Gomorrah. And so all three of these historical events saw harsh judgment, but they all centered around sexual sin. We live in a day and age of rampant sexual perversion. It is very difficult, in fact, almost impossible for us to live our life without any, without being tainted by the sexual sin, seeing, you know, inappropriate um, images on billboards and magazines, on TVs and commercials. Even for those that really guard themselves, it is so easy just to be tainted by the inundation of sexual sin in our culture today. And our sexual sin is just running rampant with, um, it's gone beyond just, you know, the question of heterosexual sin and homosexual sin. Now there's gender confusion and just, it's just, we have become so confused because of the effects of sin on our people of our culture. How are you doing in your purity? 
purity still matters. Sexual purity before the Lord is still ma- is still very important. The scripture is very clear. Flee sexual immorality. How are you doing in your impurity? Maybe part of your devotion time today should be spent praying to the Lord, confessing sexual sin, seeking his forgiveness, and seeking him to change your heart, your thought processes, your patterns, so you can be honoring to him as you keep yourself pure for the Lord. I pray you walk tightly with the Lord today. I'll talk to you tomorrow.